Thank you for listening to this Table Church Sermon Podcast. We are in a series right now called Dinner with Jesus. We're looking at how Jesus used tables to change the world. You know, it seems like Jesus did most of his ministry around a table. Why? Because tables are places of welcome, and that's what Jesus was doing. He was proclaiming the welcome of God. At Table Church, we're all about living that out. So join us as we look at some of the meals that Jesus ate with people and as we learn how those encounters continue to transform people today. And if you need anything at all, be sure to reach out to us at our website, tablechurchdsm.org. God bless, and thanks for listening. Good morning, church. Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Luke, chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown." But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Good morning, church. Again, we'll do that again. Good morning, church. That's more I like it. Um, Thank you so much for being with us here this morning. It's a pleasure to be in front of you and to be able to have this great honor to be able to share the sermon this morning. Um, I always have to say this disclaimer every time I'm given this great privilege is first things first. I am not an ordained pastor or a minister by profession. Um, Phil is very generous by allowing me to be on this stage and share this message this morning. Um, 
And something that I think I say it a few times, but maybe we do not know fully, but truly being friends and getting to know Pastor Phil over the last few years with Table Church being formed, um, we really do have a great pastor. He did not pay me to say this, I should say that. We really do. His heart for the city is so true and pure and clear. He has been such a good mentor to me, you know, learning and growing with him through difficult times, through the good times, and sometimes the 30 minutes we have up here with him, we may not see that. And so I just want to take the moment to share personally that he has truly been a great friend to me, and I believe he's a great friend to Table Church. Please join me in praying. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for every single person who's here today. You brought them here to be able to worship with us. Father, I pray that these next few moments you can minister to us. As it is Pentecost Sunday, I'm praying for this same Holy Spirit to move in us. I know you are here. I know you're present. But I'm praying that you can move in us, that we can have open hearts and minds and souls to listen to your message. Use me merely as a vessel this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray and believe. Amen. When I was a boy, I enjoyed birthday parties. See, my father and mother would do everything and anything to make sure I had the best birthday parties. I clearly, vividly remember my 10th birthday party. See, my dad printed all these uh, signs and put them in a house on the wall, and it said, today, Moses, you turn a decade old. And you see, I love birthday parties because it was a chance for me to hang out with my closest, my best friends that I loved so much. And most importantly, we had cake. <laughs> you see, on my 10th birthday party, we had moved a few years before from where we used to live and moved out of town to more of a remote area where my dad still has his home up until today. But at the time, we moved quite far from where we used to live and where I grew up. So my friends were back there, and it was far distance. You couldn't walk. We didn't have good public means at the time, and it was quite rural, and not everyone had a car. But that day, my dad, with his little blue pickup, and my mom drove around all my friends' households and picked them up to come to my birthday party. And again, most importantly, we had cake. <laughs> See, we didn't grow up with gifts in birthdays. Just the presence of people, and again, cake was all that mattered. But on this birthday, something different happened also. In the evening, there happened to be a second birthday party. You see, my dad was a pastor in a university in Kenya, and he invited the students who were part of this uh, Christian ministry 
And they came that evening to celebrate my birthday party. These college students who look way cooler, more fun than me, who I'm just 10 years old. And that day, they slaughtered a goat for my birthday. I don't know about you guys, but I don't know if any goats have been slaughtered in your birthday party. But man, I was like, guys, look at this. You know, my birthday rocks. This morning, as we continue and conclude our sermon series on dinners with Jesus, we look at this passage in Luke 7. And I want to break it down section by section to be able to see and learn a few points of what it means to have dinner with Jesus. And so, if you have your Bibles and also on the screen above me, we will go section by section. So follow with me as we start on 36. It says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. So first things first, we hear this word Pharisee so many times in the Bible. What does it mean? It literally means separated one. Begs the question, separated from what? They separated themselves from society to study and teach the law. Sounds very noble. Sounds like monks or people who want to move from the distractions of this world to study the law so they can come teach it to us. But number two, but they also separated themselves from the common people because they considered them religiously unclean. Pay attention to this as we will come back. You see, the Pharisees... Third but not least, formed the largest and the most influential religious political party of their day. Verse 37, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. So let's focus at these descriptions that we're seeing here, because it tells us quite a bit about Jesus' ministry. You see, first, let's look at this label, a woman. If you look at the Gospel of Luke, and even this scripture today, it is very evident that Luke is so deliberately and extremely descriptive. But then we should ask the question, what about the name of this woman? See, in this time and day, Women, women were not seen the same as women in this modern day. In fact, plainly put, women were seen as second-class citizens. And this woman, not only seen that way, but it says she didn't just sin. She wasn't an occasional sinner. She lived a sinful life. In other words, she probably was a compulsive liar or perhaps a thief or perhaps a schemer, or perhaps an adulteress. Remember, Pharisees separated themselves from unclean, common people. But this woman goes to a Pharisee's house, knowing this very well, but she goes there because who's there? Jesus. Church, while Pharisees separated themselves, from others, Jesus welcomed others to himself. That is the difference in his ministry. This, this message of saying, 
an alabaster jar. We see this in the, in, the, in the Bible a few times. And we pick up that it's some sort of a perfume that is like expensive, okay? But we need to understand a little bit more about this. As I was studying this, it says this, this perfume, as it would be made, again, very expensive, but how it was created, it wasn't like a regular perfume where you can open it, use it, put it back. No, 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 no. It was created where it was sealed and sealed with wax that it was permanently shut that when you open it, you use it all. There's no point of return. So it's expensive. It is one-time use, and its cost was equivalent to a year's worth of wages. My question to you this morning, would you give your whole annual salary to be with Jesus? This brings me to my first point. Jesus' dinners don't have RSVPs. Jesus' dinners don't have RSVPs. You see, if Jesus was here today, Jesus could come and have dinner with Governor Kim Reynolds at the governor's mansion, and at the same time, homeless people can come and live as they please. It's like during your Thanksgiving or Christmas dinners with your family and friends that perhaps a stranger, a neighbor, a nobody can come and sit at that table and share that meal with you. That's Jesus' dinners. Verse 38, as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Why is this woman weeping? See, sometimes to be with Jesus when we are in our sinful ways is to simply let go of every emotion, of every feeling. You see, repentance is not an abstract thing. Oh, dear Lord, I'm so sorry for what I did. Forgive me, Father. Amen. Move on. No, 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 no. To, you need to feel it. You need to feel this change. You need to feel that truly there needs to be repentance, genuine repentance, that I am so sorry I hurt these people. I'm so sorry I am a liar. I'm so sorry I did those things, Father. And she's overwhelmed. That is why she is weeping. See, the same Jesus is currently available to us anytime, any day. He's simply waiting for an invitation from you. You may not know where to go, what to do, how to do it, but as long as you surrender in openness to him, he is there for you. I don't want to be graphic, but if I can, just for a brief moment. We talk about 2,000 years ago, right? There's no paved roads. There's no cars. No fresh Nikes. And guess what? Jesus' feet are probably really gross. Like, seriously, disgusting. And crying on them, weeping, kissing them. I mean, I love Jesus, but I do not know if I'm going to go that far. I don't know, guys. 
Then it says this in John 13. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, Jesus says. He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Oh, church, how we have lost our ways as followers of Christ. Lord, forgive us. Make our hearts right. You see, to dine with Jesus, yes, everyone is invited. There's no RSVP, but it's not just the invitation or the presence, but you also need to be honored. That's the difference. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said, they said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. I love this verse. You see, this verse studied closely. It says, he said to himself, Simon the Pharisee, that means this is thoughts in his mind, Okay? So this gives us as readers and audience an opportunity to insert ourselves in this story. And guess what? If we need to be honest and open with each other, let's set our pride aside for just a brief moment. I think we have these thoughts too. We look at some people in the society and we say this. I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they got to do this. And we say, oh, the world is so broken. Oh, the world is just going down in shambles. And then we do this, at least I don't believe that. At least I don't do that. And we proceed to say, perhaps I am better than those worldly people. Oh, we are so mistaken. It says in Isaiah 64, all of us have become like the one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rugs. We are all shriveled up like a leaf and the wind, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Another translation says, our best efforts are like grease-stained rugs. Another translation, our so-called righteous acts are like a menstrual rug. And another one says, even our good works are not pure. They are like blood-stained rugs. Church, as gruesome as those descriptions are, they're extremely generous to how we are. That is the truth. This brings me to the second point. Jesus' dinners have equal seating. Jesus' dinners have equal seating. See, I love medieval movies or shows. You see, I love to watch, you know, so we're like, 
guys like these kings, different kingdoms and conquests, and guys riding on horses, and you know, they have this shield, and you have this amazing sword, and I mean, like, I love all those kind of things. Like, Lord of the Rings, yes, give me more. Like, I love that stuff. And sometimes, if you watch these movies, they show us in the room, right? The room where they decide, they decide which conquest to make or which area they will do or what they, like they plan, right? And they're sitting at this table. It typically is a circular table. And in this table, yes, we have the king and we have all the other guys, you know, who, who, who are part of his team. But they're all seated in the same way. Everyone has the same view. Everyone has the same position. There is no one who's ahead of the table and someone who's beneath anyone else. You see, at Jesus' dinners, everyone is at the same table. Your education, your title, your position, your accomplishments, name them all, are purely useless. They mean nothing. And I'm not trying to bring you down, but I'm just being honest and telling you, perhaps sometimes we need to be put in our rightful place in humility with Christ. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. (laughs) I don't know if you know this, but man, Jesus knows everything. He knows your thoughts. He knows the things you are thinking about. He knows all of it. There's no surprise. Like, you can't surprise Jesus. You can't. So, but, but look at this. He knows all that, right? But in spite of that, he prefers to teach. Jesus will never condemn. He will invite and he will teach. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither one of them had money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven You have judged correctly, Jesus said. You see, growing up in Africa, we um, we value our old wise men. This is perhaps our grandfathers, our great-grandfathers. Typically would live in rural areas, maybe even in a very simple grass-thatched house. But we would go and you spend time with them, and when they speak, Yes, they are speaking your language, but they speak with so much wisdom. Their message is not like, oh, don't go do that. No, 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 no. They will tell you it in a very different way that gets you to like think and reflect and consider different things. But embedded in there is the teaching and the message they are sending to you. They have so much knowledge in them from the experiences and the interactions throughout their lives and what they have seen in our community. You see, we didn't have any sort of history to be able to write down. Everything was passed orally. So this oral history is passed to these wise men. And they truly have all this wisdom in them. So you sit with them and it just oozes out of them. One of our Proverbs says this, one day in the life of a wise man, is worth a fool's entire life. Jesus exactly operates in this, in this way. 
And let me give you an example of what I'm saying by this knowledge. You know, me being an African and moving to America and living here, also being an American at the same time, sometimes the world thinks of us a little bit backward and what do we have to offer and what can we teach and we're seen beneath. Let me show you how wise our parables and our stories are. America, one big thing that affects us the most is divorce. It's a big, big, big thing. So this is what we would do back in the day. You see, when you, on your wedding day, you and your spouse, they shave your whole hair. Your whole hair is taken out of your head, and they take it away. So you move on into your life with your spouse, raising kids, doing life. Somewhere down the road, things don't get so good, and things get worse, worse, worse. Family members try to reconcile, it gets nowhere. So you go to the clansmen, the old wise men, and say, hey, I'm done with her. Like, I'm done with him. Just let us go our separate ways because they're the ones who ordained that marriage. The old wise man would go to his chambers and come back with a bowl with a hair in it and hand it to you and say, pick out your hairs. And when you both have your hairs, then you can be divorced. I'm not condoning difficult times of marriage or marriages that are not meant to be. But even Jesus was pushed. And he said, you pushed Moses to give you the law on divorce. Perhaps as Americans, we need to put a little more effort in our marriages. Jesus is using storytelling as a way to teach Simon what he's blinded by. He uses language and analogies that are easy for him to understand. Sometimes I wonder if the gospel is just made too complicated for people. I am Moses. I am a sinner set for doom. Christ came on earth, became man, died on the cross for my sins. On the third day, he rose again, conquered sin, conquered death. Now I have this free gift of salvation and I'm forever restored with my relationship with him, and it will exist beyond my time here on earth. End of story. Verse 44. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. See, Jesus' ministry was often, often interrupted while he was here on earth. He was often interrupted by people who would ask for help on the sidelines or healing. And he wasn't angry with any of them for messing up his agenda. Instead, he had compassion and stopped to meet their needs. If any of you are like me, I like order in my life. I wake up every morning early so that I could 
plan my day to anticipate the things that will be coming up through my day. Far too often my days are interrupted by other things that I didn't anticipate in the morning. Far too often I get upset when these interruptions occur. However, sometimes, just sometimes, I pause to focus on the interruption, and far too often, if not always, that is the highlight of my day. When I was a child in Africa growing up, we would have people who would just show up to a house. Never understood this. Like, we'd just be doing our own thing, doing whatever, and someone just shows up. And you see, in Africa, if someone comes into your home, you don't just sit down and you're like, hey, what's going on? How's life? No, you go to the kitchen, you go fix something that you share with them. It doesn't matter if that was the only food you had. So typically, you start with tea, because you would start with tea and usually bread, some pastries. And then if they stay long enough, which you do not tell them the time they need to leave. No, they'll stay as long as they need to stay. They might even sleep the night. And I'll probably be put on the floor somewhere. And they'll take my bed. But then they may eat dinner or sleep or whatever. And as a boy, man, did I love my tea. I loved tea even after today. And I loved bread. It was like World War III if mom didn't have enough bread for me at 4 o'clock tea time. Like it's game over, mom. So now... Right? Mom did her part. She went to the store. She bought enough bread. In comes these guests. We serve them the tea and the bread. And guess what happens to Moses? No bread for him. Moses gets very angry. He's like, why do these people always come in here? As an adult, I look back on this and I just came to this big realization. Just like this woman coming into this Pharisee's house who, who's supposed to be separated from them. You see, we only go to places we know we will be blessed. You see, these guests came because they knew there would be tea, there would be dinner, there would be a bed. Perhaps, and more likely than not, it might be the only meal they have. Verse 48, then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives the sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let us reflect on this for a moment. This lady who Luke describes living a sinful life, A life worth not living. Now Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, says what? You are forgiven. It's like you just won the mega jackpot. It's as if you landed the job you have been waiting for. It's as if you finally met the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with. It's as if you finally were blessed with the child that you have been praying and hoping for. Church, no, 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 no. It is all that combined and more than that. That is what it means to say your sins are forgiven. 
You see, other guests were amazed, right? It says they were amazed at Jesus. Amazed does nothing. You can think all you want to think about Jesus being amazing, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, whatever, but just amazed means nothing. But do you understand his power? This lady understood the power. You see, they invited guests who knew what they were signing up for. That means they probably knew, hey, Jesus is on the list, so I'm going to show up. Didn't even understand the power of Jesus. It says in Matthew 21, Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to the people who will produce fruit. Table church, the kingdom of God can be taken away from you and given to those who will produce fruit. I dare say that. Because we have this given to us. It's Jesus, this God. What are we doing with it? It is easy to see how this guest missed out on Jesus. The reality is far too often we do the same. We have an unlimited access to this Jesus. Talk about Pentecost Sunday, talk about the Holy Spirit coming down on us. Like we have unlimited access, not limited, not like, oh man, only eight hours a day. No, unlimited access for eternity, forever. What are you doing with it? Is he moving actively in your life? Are you living a forgiven, free life? Sorry, it's just got really hot up here. Church, this is my final and last point, and probably the most important point I can say this morning. Jesus' dinners are life changing. Jesus' dinners are life changing. You cannot experience Jesus and be the same. You cannot have met Jesus and think the same. You cannot know Jesus and just be the same. They talk about the inside out, talk about a change out of me, like that, then you can see on the outward. That's what it means. You see, as we conclude, I want to take this moment here. I just want to be deliberate and take this moment. As I was working on this sermon, I even talked to Pastor Phil, I just feel like God is really leading me on this point. Because I had made it and I thought something was missing. And this is it. I have two questions for you this morning. And we start with the first one. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? I say one more time. Do you know Jesus? And when I say no, I don't mean you know of Jesus. I don't mean you know the scriptures or you know he's a Messiah or you know he came into this world. I, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, do you know Jesus? Does Moses, Kipchumba, Bumet know the heart of God? Perhaps you've heard of him. You think you know him, but do you truly know him? 
I want to take this moment and tell you, you know what? The invitation is there. Table Church exists to invite people to the way of Jesus. That is our mission. And this morning, if you do not know this, or maybe even perhaps you say, Moses, you know, for me personally, I remember 3rd March 2003. That's when I accepted Christ into my life. I was a young boy. I was 11 years old. And I didn't understand the full intricacies of it. But as I became older, this faith became my own. So perhaps maybe you are like me and say, man, I've been in the church, but I don't know if I know this Jesus truly as you, exp- you explain it, Moses. We would love to walk with you in that. In your connection card, perhaps you just circle the cross or perhaps you just write Jesus. Pastor Phil, Pastor Megan would love to have that walk with you. You don't need to have the answers. But perhaps today you just say, dear Lord... I want to know this Jesus in my life. I invite you today for this. And the second part, which perhaps may apply to most of us here this morning. If you say you know this Jesus, and he's the central part of your life, what is stopping you from ministering to others who do not know him? His dinners don't have RSVPs, But there's a catch. You are the one to invite them to be able to experience this Jesus. You hold the keys to that. His dinners are life-changing, but are you willing to say, Jesus, use me as a vessel to change the lives of others? Are you open and ready to be used by Jesus? This is so critical, church. This is so critical. Like, we can use all the words we want to use. We can talk about all the scriptures. Phil can preach as many sermons. Pastor Megan can preach as many sermons. I can be up here. We can say all these things, all these things. You can go to table groups. You can eat food with people. You can go to the picnics. You can serve in whatever way. But if we are not inviting people to the way of Jesus, then all of it is rubbish. I want you to understand and understand me clearly this morning. We need to take this seriously and make it the focal point of why we exist. Jesus came, died for us, and we are free. I am so free. I know where I'm going. Do you know where you're going? I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. And I want you to know where you're going. And if you do, let's help others know where they're going. So if you think of someone or a way, I want you to take a mental note or maybe even write in a piece of paper. Say, man, I know that guy, man, as my friend, and I don't know where he stands on this. Let's make an intention to have that discussion with them. I'm not talking the Bible-banging kind of like evangelism. No. Just share what Christ has done to you with them. God will open up the right door, the right minds, the right hearts. God is in the business of changing hearts. Not you. God will do it. But you need to be able to be used as a catalyst to that process. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your message. Thank you for using me to share in front of these people. I'm so blessed to know you, Father. I pray that 
If there is someone in our congregation or some people in our congregation who do not know you, Father, that you would reveal yourselves to them. I pray that they would feel confidence in claiming this salvation. I pray that we can be used to walk beside them, along them, in this faith journey. Father, I pray that you can use us all as vessels to do kingdom work here in Des Moines. Thank you for what you've done to us, and thank you for always being available to us. It's in Jesus' name I pray and believe. Amen.